You know, when we listen to messages, I always take notes. I keep my mind fixed on what's uh, being said, but I listen for the voice within the voice because always whatever message is preached, whoever preaches, if you're hungry for God, God will speak to you through it. So make sure you hear what God is saying to you. Apostle asked me this morning to speak on the need for the Holy Spirit in the church. The need for the Holy Spirit in the church. I guess you're here because you know there's a need for the Holy Spirit in the church. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts 1 and verse 8. Jesus has breathed the Spirit of God into his apostles. And now, before he's ascending into heaven, he says, Wait in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father. And in verse 8, you know it's a favorite Pentecostal verse. Trouble is, it's more a verse than it is in reality in many churches. Say, you shall receive power. Dunamis, something supernatural. You receive it. Not just a one-off experience, but something we need to continually encounter. We need to continually encounter. I went to church many years of my life, raised in a in a religious kind of a church, even got into uh, a charismatic kind of church. But the thing that changed me were two experiences I had that were supernatural in origin. The first one was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. No one prayed for me. I was just hungry. I didn't even know what I was hungry for. When someone talked about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, I just rejected it because I was too much caught up in my head. I was trained in physics and did a master in physics, so I'm wrestling with all that kind of stuff. But there was something deep inside. I hunger for God. And I was in a meeting, it wasn't even a Pentecostal meeting. I said, I don't know, Holy Ghost, but I want you to come and touch me like you've touched others. I am hungry for you. And suddenly, I was filled with Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. I never clue what it was. I didn't know about baptism of the Spirit. I didn't even know what speaking in tongues was. My highly educated mind was saying, stop it. You're losing it. 
I used to go out and I'd walk around the block and didn't tell my wife because I couldn't even figure out what. I'm trying to figure it out. How can you figure it out? You just need to receive it and then you know. You know, the things of God you walk into, then you know them. You know, we educated people, you want to understand it, then maybe I'll agree with it. And uh, so I would walk around the block, I would pray in the spirit, I would feel the life of God rise up in me, I would feel that Holy Ghost rise up in joy. My mind would be saying, stop it, stop it, someone will hear. They will lock you up, you know, babbling like that. that I mean, that's a crazy man, something's happened, it's not good. And I, in the end, I put my hand on my head and said, shut up. I'm really wanting to learn about God. This is God working in me. And uh, the second encounter I had, uh, I was in, a, we'd just begun a teaching assignment, and I was in a, uh, we were in an old schoolhouse. Uh, I, Joy went to bed a little earlier than me. I was sitting up watching TV and went to bed. I lay down on the bed, and I was just lying there like this on my back, and suddenly a big, dark shadow walked and stood at the end of the bed. It was a demonic spirit in the house now manifesting its presence. I just froze in fear. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything. Couldn't speak, couldn't do anything. And, this, and I just, in my head, called out, Jesus, help me, help me, help me. Wife woke up, she began praying. I didn't know what to do about demons. All I could do was, man, I read a book about the, I mean, the Bible is something about. I read the 23rd Psalm out loud. That was the best I could do in those days. But this is what it did to me. This is real. I need to get to know how to deal with these things. And God started me on the journey, you know, to live and walk and move in the Holy Ghost. I love the Holy Spirit. I deeply love him. I am hungry for him. I'm pursuing him. I can never get enough. Uh, the saddest thing for me was going when I started as a young pastor into conferences, and I was hungry. My first conference, I, was, I came back. I went excited, came back disappointed. And what I, it wasn't because of the teaching. I thought, but where is God? Where is the supernatural? Where are the prophetic? Where are the miracles? Where's things happening? Why in a pastor's conference is there none of this? The church needs the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. Think about this. Jesus said, wait. Why did he say wait? He'd already breathed into them. He'd already given them an assignment. But what he's saying is this. You cannot complete the assignment without the supernatural power of God. It can't be done. It can't be done. I was reading uh, 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 an article a little while ago, and it was about Marco Polo, you know, Marco Polo. And uh, Marco Polo went up into Mongolia, a very difficult place to go, take a long time to get there. He was an explorer. And he went up there, and Kublai Khan, which is the father of Genghis Khan, was there. He was ruling the Mongolian nation at that time. And uh, he shared the gospel with Kublai Khan. He shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it would bless and benefit the nation, the principles of the kingdom of God. So he shared all that thing. And after he'd heard it all, Kublai Khan said this. He said, I'm impressed with your gospel. I do believe our nation would benefit from your gospel. He said, however, as you look around, you can see I'm surrounded by sorcerers. I'm surrounded by people who operate in the supernatural realm of the demonic. They can cause a bird to drop out of the air just by clapping their hands. They can stop the rain or bring the rain. I live in fear of these people. What I'm asking you is can you bring, when you come back, people who move in a greater power of them so I can believe? Marco Polo went away. He went back to where he'd come from. He shared what had happened. He said a great door is open. A whole nation can be transformed 
Do we have people moving in the supernatural power of God? Kublai Khan says, bring a hundred men back. Two people came and one died on the way. And then the rest is history. Instead of the nation turning to Christ, it became a warring nation that conquered everyone and slew and made captives of people. You see, crucial points in history can turn on whether the power of God is present in the church or not. We desperately need the power of God. We should have no doubt that it's God's desire for every believer to operate in power. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Now, the manifestation of the Spirit, a clearly seen operation of the power and person of the Holy Spirit, is given to oh, a few special people. Now, it doesn't say that. It says, to every person, God gives the manifestation of the Spirit. And in case we didn't get that, he then lists the supernatural operations of the Holy Spirit, miracles, deliverance, prophecy, all these kind of things. He said, given to everyone. Given to everyone. Why? So you can be a builder. So you can be a son. So you can represent your Father who is a supernatural God. Why is the church not releasing people in the supernatural? Why is the church not doing what Jesus said to do or Paul wrote to do? Every believer, every believer, every believer. It's a challenge for us. Every believer moving in the supernatural. Every believer equipped. So why does the church need the Holy Ghost and the supernatural? Let me give you several reasons why. Number one, number one, without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we stop being the house of God and become the house of man. We stop being the house of God you can call it that, but it's actually become the house of man. In Genesis 28 and verse 17, when Jacob has his encounter with God, this is what he says. This is the first revelation that comes out of a, a heavenly encounter. He said, this is the house of God. And then in case you didn't get what he meant, he said, this is the gateway to heaven. In other words, the first mention of the house of God is that it is a gateway between earth and the supernatural realm of heaven. He didn't say this is the house of God and it's full of programs. He didn't say this is the house of God and we're very busy with a lot of entertainment. He said this is the house of God. It is the gateway to the supernatural realm of God where God speaks to people, where God gives visions, where God gives assignments. If we don't have the presence and power of God, no assignments from God. We don't have the presence and power of God. It really becomes a hot place filled with human activity. If we stop or drew the Holy Spirit out of many churches, you wouldn't know anything had changed. Well, that's a tragedy. It's called to be God's house, not man's house. It is not your house. You've got to always remember this. If you're pastoring and leading a church, this is not your church. This is Jesus' church. You're just a steward. You're just entrusted. You're entrusted not to build your thing. You're entrusted to build people, sons and daughters who love the Father and are equipped and empowered to move in the supernatural, fulfill a destiny. So we see number one, number one, why the church needs the Holy Ghost? Without it, we become the house of man rather than the house of God. You know, it's interesting when you look at Jesus, Jesus was the fulfillment of the house of God. And it says in Luke chapter six, it said, power flowed out of him. Where was the power? House of God. God dwelling within. What do you expect when God is dwelling within? Power should flow out. 
In other words, if you're a believer, if you have encountered the Holy Spirit, God's desire is that the Spirit of God manifests through you. Power flows out when you pray for people. Man, I remember I was just doing a, uh, I do a, walk, a prayer walk every most mornings, and I'm doing this prayer walk. I've got there, and I'm really pumped up. I do it in the dark when no one's around, because I just prefer to be in the dark when no one's around. And so I, I did the prayer walk, went up and down, and I've done at least a good half hour or more, and I'm coming back, and I met someone coming the other way. And I'm, I'm not even worried anyone's coming. I'm just into praying in the Spirit, building the inner man. And uh, this was a Christian. She's quite open to the Holy Spirit. And she's running there. And I just waved like that. Next thing, she fell over. <laughs> Power flowed out. Power flowed out. That's what, that's what Jesus had in mind. They just touched him and power flowed out. Whoa, don't you need more of that? People touch you and they have to wipe their hands out because, you know, we don't want to be like that. We want to be touching people and seeing power flow, power flow, power flow out. Okay, second thing. Church is unable to fulfill the commission. If we are, do not have the supernatural power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't fulfill what Jesus said to do. You, want to, you can't fulfill your assignment. If your assignment doesn't need the Holy Ghost, then did it come from God? The assignment God gives us requires Him to empower us to do it. Let me give you a couple of scriptures or an example of that. In, for example, in Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Jesus is beginning His ministry. So not only is He going to demonstrate and teach about the power of God, the kingdom of God, He now wants to disciple men to do the same as He did. So it said in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, so He called them to Himself. The key of moving in the supernatural, one of them, is the engagement personally with Jesus Christ. There is no way to the power of God except through intimacy with Him, through building a deep, dedicated, committed life. And it said that He might send them forth, apostolically commission them to do what? Three things. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. I was in one Bible school, I preached that verse, and someone came up to me and said, you know, I've been coming to the, reading these things all these years. I never saw that bit cast out demons. In other words, what had been presented was just preach the gospel. But Jesus said, don't need to teach the kingdom of God. You need to actually manifest it, demonstrate it. We need to show the reality of our words and teaching. Like with Kup, like Ham, he's just saying, I just want to know whether your God's got power because I'm surrounded by power. I can remember when I went to Indonesia, I had my son David with me, and uh, David had uh, he'd just been such a great son, and he's even greater son right now, and uh, he, he came with me, and uh, I asked him, look, we're, we're gonna do some deliverance meetings, but I wanna train some ministries first. So I asked them to do training process. They ignored me completely, so the first meeting, were like 2,000 people there, and more than 1,000 come up on the altar call, and I'm thinking, oh man, that's a lot of demons to cast out right there. and. Uh, and uh, in, in that meeting, something unusual happened. Uh, I didn't see it, but this is what happened. Three witch doctors came in and they said, we're gonna get the power off this guy. And so they came into the meeting and, I, and when I looked that way, it happened in a blink of an eye. They stood up to do their witchcraft on me and the moment they did, the power of God, bam, they hit the ground like that. And they had to crawl out. They could not stand up, they had to crawl out. Someone told Dave, he ran down the back, confronted one of them, out you demon! And the guy reacted, manifested. Next thing, he's up on the altar call giving his heart to Christ. Absolutely. A little while later, we had the altar call, a thousand people up there, that was just, just jam-packed. And uh, I said, well Dave, 
This is the day the Lord has called you. I'm gonna do half them and go home. You have to do the other half. And uh, I'm not, yeah, it's up to you now. So anyway, we led them all through a prayer. We began to release the power of God and deliverance. So I had to lay hands on people and they're literally falling down, screaming, man, it's wild. It's just like I love it. Man, I'm in my element. Somebody stop me, you know? And, uh, and it's just going. And I thought, whoa, what happened to Dave? And I turn around and it's like, it's like a man in the midst of a battle, you know? There are people in a whole circle all the way, all the way around. They're falling down, manifest. I thought, whoa, that's my son, that's awesome. And uh, anyway, we finished it, had time of coffee afterwards. And I said, man, that was something else, I'm proud of you. And he said, well, Dad, three months ago, the Lord said, what's on your life is my legacy to receive. He said, I've been pressing in in prayer and claiming that over my life. And there it is, there it is, there it is. Isn't that fantastic? Went to Pakistan, raised the man from the dead. Now I'm claiming that from his life. <laughs> okay, so we need the power of God. How many know you need the Holy Spirit? Third reason, without the Holy Spirit, the church becomes religious, having a form of godliness. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying or resisting or rejecting power. From such, turn away. See, people come to church and they sing songs and go through a service, but their lives aren't changed. I remember being in a church some years ago. It was a charismatic church. I was on the door welcoming people. And someone came to the door, and I hadn't seen them for a year. I said, great to see you. It's great to see you. And I just shook their hand and made them welcome, opened the door, looked in, and suddenly the Lord spoke to me. He said, no one's changed because they resist the Holy Spirit. He said, the only people that are changed are those in the small group where the Spirit of God is welcome. Why are you staying here? So that was the beginning of a major transition for us into a life of being deepened in the Word and growing in the Holy Spirit. See, without the power of the Holy Spirit, lives don't get transformed. People just conceal their problems. They conceal their problems. I guarantee I go anywhere in the world, any church in the world, and within a short time, people will open up, and then suddenly you realize there's all this kind of stuff going on that they never told anyone because of fear and shame and because there's no power to solve the problem. They call me from all over the world because they're hungry for God to touch them with power. They're saying, I've got demons, I'm tormented, I'm sick, I've got depression. People said this, I need help, I need something supernatural. I don't want you just to preach and inspire me. I need the power of God, I need to break through. Church has a form of godliness. Smile, dress up, looks good. So people tend to conceal and cover. Here's another reason, number four. The church becomes focused on, folk, uh, focused on programs and appearances. How we look becomes more important than how we are. Appearance and image becomes the number one driver. Oh my, don't get me started. Oh, you know. In Matthew chapter 23, verse five, he said, all the works of the Pharisees, they do to be seen a man. See, all the works of the Pharisees. I've been to churches, I remember going to one church, and uh, I won't say where it was, even identified in any kind of way. It was a fairly significant church in Australia. <laughs> and the pastor was a very brave man. And he said, I want you to come, and I want you to teach in the Bible school, I want you to minister deliverance. I said, are you sure? He said, yes, I do. And so I came there, and uh, we had uh, time in the Bible school, and uh, I ministered there, and I lay a foundation of the Word for two days. I thought, day three, I got a night meeting. I better get start going now. So anyway, day three, we get going. So the first person I prayed for was the leader of the Bible school. Bang, down he goes. All sorts of stuff coming out of him. Second person goes, it's a woman. She goes down, falls on the ground. And, 
and there's all sorts of stuff. I'll kill you, and uh, all this kind of stuff. And she gets free as well. And so this is, and all the students are. We've never seen that in church before. No, of course you haven't. Do you want to know why? Anyway, I go to the uh, I go to the the church and uh, for the evening meeting, and uh, to my distress, the pastor wasn't coming. He'd left his wife to run the service. And I thought, oh, you. Oh, you don't realize what you've done. Anyways, I'm walking in the door. A person comes up near to me and glares at me. And I thought, I never met you. Why are you glaring at me? And turns out this is the counselor who's been counseling the woman I prayed for for two years for dep- over depression, all sorts of other things. And she is furious at what I've done. <laughs> you know, you can, whatever's inside, you always feel it. It affects the atmosphere around you, you know. And so I thought, <laughs> so I go in there and I'm trying to just, I'm not trying to overdo I just said, listen, when God moves, stuff can happen. Stuff can happen. I said, I, I'll tell you some things that can happen. And uh, you can see them go, ah. and anyway, the time of the altar call came and it was packed. They were from one side to the other. I leave them in a prayer to reach out for deliverance and the power of God hit them all. And suddenly I got people screaming and fighting and all over. I said, is there anyone left who can help? It was what? And the pastor's wife is, what kind of church you don't recognize God at work? Why are you afraid when God is at work? Why are you not jumping in? Ho, 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 let's go for it and release people and set them free. We had a meeting and they, they didn't put it in the main auditorium, they put it in a smaller room. And I thought, oh, that's bad. That means I'm closer to people than I was up on the platform. That is really not gonna be good. And the pastor's still not there and so this is the Friday night meeting and we're there and I just, now you see now I'm really close. I'm only just a couple of feet from the front row. So I just start to talk. And as soon as I start to talk, <laughs> I got two people in the, in the front row and it looks like they kind of should be committed or something like that. They're just starting to go backwards and forwards. And I see every time I walk over near them, <laughs> and they're going like growling and snarling or whatever. And so in the end, I thought, I'm gonna can the message. I said, Jesus came into the house of God and the demon cried out, leave us alone. I said, there's a lot of demons in here and they all want to be left alone and I will not. I went over and said, out! And the boat flew over backwards, the chairs fell over, well, and then set it off. It was all through the room. It was amazing. The pastor's wife's against him. What just happened? I said, when God comes, stuff can happen. Don't worry, let God be God, let God do his stuff. It all comes right at the end. Surgery's always a bit of bleeding going on, you know? But at the end of the bleeding, it all comes nice. Ask Ian, see? Oh dear, it's not nice. Yeah, that's right. But after it, it's all over. Amen. So we need the power of God. Amen. We need the power of God. Otherwise, we end up with appearances. Now, this church, I went in there and I, I said to myself, I feel a bit uncomfortable here. I've never seen so many pretty people. I mean, it, Australians have really got something in this, and some churches, my, my, my. I have never seen so many blondes and skinny tights in my life in one place. <laughs> Big smile and hair and modern gear. I thought, whoa, I come from a country town. We don't see people like this. This is what you read about on magazines and see on TV. Where, where do they find them all anyway? How they got them all here? And I'm thinking, man, oh man, oh man. Then I noticed over the few days I was there, 
People either ran towards me or they ran away. They scurried. They scurried. Literally scurried away. And I thought, what's going on here? And then when the night came for the ministry, I thought, oh, all these pretty beautiful people are covering, concealing. It's about appearance, not about substance. Church cannot create a culture where appearance takes precedence over substance. I believe, yes, present your best. Present the best you can. But don't let that be what you're concerned about. Amen? Well, when we don't have the Holy Ghost, we get worried about how it looks. Okay, here's another reason. Without the power of the Holy Ghost, the church cannot minister deliverance and healing to people. Matthew 12, verse 28, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come. People struggle. People are tormented. People have issues. They don't know what to do about it. They need to be set free. At this conference already, people have struggled with stuff for years. And suddenly, in a moment of encounter, they're set free. How tragic. The ch- get this. The church is the only group of people authorized by God to heal, deliver, and proclaim about another kingdom. We're authorized to do it. Authorized to move in power. It's a part of the mandate, a part of the assignment. When Jesus went, everywhere he went, people had issues. Luke chapter four, verse 33, 34, he's in a church. Guess what he finds? A man with an unclean spirit. Do you think there are any of those still in church today? Oh, absolutely. They're everywhere. People addicted to porn, people struggling with sexual sin, people got kinds of things from their past and the traumas of abuse, and they're tormented by pictures, images, and struggles. He's everywhere. Unclean spirits. Unclean. And why are they still there? Because there's no power of the Holy Ghost to move them. Luke chapter 13, verse 10, there's a woman there. She's in church, and she's got a spirit of infirmity. She literally doubled over, can't even straighten up. And where is she? She's at the back. You know why she's at the back? Because there was a social stigma on people who were deformed in any kind of way. They were not looking good, and so they kept them in a place of secrecy. They kept them behind everyone. Even in Asia to this day, if there's handicapped people, they tend to put them aside. They just don't want them to be on display because of the shame that it brings. And Jesus is preaching the Word of God. Suddenly he stops. Not many times Jesus stopped preaching. He stops because he knew the woman was there. So please come forward. I don't leave with you. I think of the drama of a woman, how long it would take, and every eye is upon her. And he healed her, he delivered her, and he restored her honor publicly. This is what our God does. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do that without the power of the Holy Ghost. Here's number six the church. Without the power of the Holy Ghost, we replace the power and the presence of God with substitutes. Substitutes we then have a better performance rather than a substance of worship. Instead of there being faith, we just get busy with works. Instead of there being anointing, now we look for the giftings that people have. And we promote people with giftings instead of promoting people who have a relationship with God and carry the anointing and the presence. See what happens, we have all kinds of things change. See, if you don't have the presence of God, you will need something to fill the place. So what have you substituted? What have we got? Did we get so busy? There's nothing wrong with programs and other activities, but we should never displace the Holy Spirit. We turn those things and they become idols. Preaching then transforms, becomes, it's about a motivational message. Let me preach my message today. Is how to be a better person. One, two, three. I don't see Jesus preaching that way. 
He just didn't do that. He brought revelation. He brought things that shifted people's lives. He, he spoke about the need not to be a better person, but to die on the cross, to yank up your old life and receive something that would empower you. We need to get back to these things again. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Whoa, whoa, here we go. Here's the last one I'll share, and then I'll share a few things related to it. The church becomes stagnant and stale spiritually. Stagnant, uh, stale, because in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10, it said, the things the Holy Spirit reveals to us. Without fresh revelation, you become stagnant. What does stagnant mean? Whatever thought of stagnant water, that's where you find frogs. That's where you find mosquitoes. Stagnant water is water that's not moving, water that's not fresh, water that's sitting, there's no flow, there's no movement, there's no progression, there's no advancing. So whenever we don't have the Holy Spirit, there's not really a great advance, no progressing, no movement forward. People become stale. You ever had bread that's stale? You found a piece of bread behind the kid's bed. Oh my, is that not good? Does it look like you'd want to eat that? It's got mold on it and it's hard, it's crusty. You're not gonna eat that. That's not gonna help you, that'll make you sick. See, we become stale. And this is a problem when we've just got the same things happening over and over, it's the same old, same old, and instead of actually moving forward. So what causes church to stagnate? What causes us to stagnate? See, I've been walking with the Lord many years now. The one thing I don't want to do is stagnate, to live out of yesterday's experience, to live out of yesterday's revelation, to live out of yesterday's successes. I want to be fresh. I want to be fresh in God. I want to be hearing new things. I want to be moving with Him. Isn't that how you want? Or do you want to whimper your way out? Oh, well, I've done my bit now. Let someone else do it. I had to challenge our uh, older people in the church. When, they heard we'd, uh, when we heard that we had transitioned and Dave was now leading the church, they think, oh, he's retired. <laughs> Did I have retired? I just finished one assignment. I'm about to begin my new one. And for that, I need a new encounter with God. I thank God for a wonderful wife, a godly wife, who walks with me through it all and is also pursuing God. You know, hard to do it on your own. You need a new assignment. So I challenge the older people in our church. Don't go quitting and giving up and thinking, I've done my bit. Done my bit. No, 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 no. You need a new assignment. You did that bit, now there's another bit to do. Don't, you don't quit till you die. You want to sit there, rest in peace? Listen, the only place to rest in peace is when they've written it on the little rock. And you're dead. If you've got the Holy Ghost around you, you stay ministering till the day you die. I had a lady, uh, you know John Steele, a famous apostle in our own nation? Well, his mother was in our church. His mother got cancer. So people, oh, we need to see Florence. She's not well. She's poorly with cancer. They would go there, they come out, she's prayed for them, they're feeling really good, they come alive because she carried the presence of God. You would go in there, there's no sorry for me. She'd say, whoa, I got more stuff to do. And she'd pray for everyone who came in. Amazing woman of God. I said, as she's about to die, I said, listen, I got one more job for you to do. Tell Jesus I need his help. <laughs> so, we, so we see, we don't finish, we, we don't change. So why do we become stagnant? No fresh encounters, no fresh encounters. You need a fresh encounter with the Holy Ghost. And it needs to be progressive, it needs to keep happening. You need to maintain the hunger pursuit of God or you're living out of yesterday, out of yesterday's experience. So why do you stagnate? No fresh encounter. Why else? Here's the second reason, a mentality. It's a mentality, I've been there, done that, I've arrived. I've got success behind me. I can rest up now. I can rest on my laurels. That's when David fell, when he wasn't in the place he should be fighting the battles. That's what he's called to do. That's his assignment. Kings fight battles. Instead, 
he falls into sin and the legacy he leaves is destroyed. Thirdly, we get satisfied, we get settled, we're unwilling to change. We just don't want to change. The real problem is you get older, you just don't want to change because change is uncomfortable. Everyone likes the idea, change. Pastor says, yeah, let's grow, let's change. Yeah, you change. Well, not me, that would be hurt. That would hurt. I can feel in pain already, you're asking me to change. Holy Ghost is continually changing us. Are you, are you, have you turned into Jesus yet? Have you turned into the Son of God yet? You're moving in great miracles and power. And you, you, you've really come to perfection yet? Have you really? Have you come to that? Is there anyone here? Well, then you still need to change. Still need to grow. Still need to move forward. God is continually deeper and deeper and deeper refining the motivations of my heart. This recently began to speak to me about the motivations, why I do what I do. And he showed me a level I'd never seen before. And he says, I want you to find that in me. You need to repent. It never stops. Uh, see, repentance is a foundation for the new life. You don't rip the foundation out of the building after it gets up. You keep it there and you just make sure it's strong. Here's another reason. We're living on past experiences, past achievements. There's nothing new. If I ask you, when is your testimony? When did God last speak to you? When did God last do a miracle? What is your testimony of what Jesus has done? If it's 10 years ago, this is a problem. The waters have become stagnant. It's time to get fresh with God. We need to get fresh with God. I connected with Apostle Malnado. I wanted to become fresh. I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to receive. I recognize what he carries. Doesn't matter about his age. Got nothing to do with me. That's his age. That's his thing. No, no, no. I see what he's carrying. I say, God, I want to come up another level. I need to connect so I can come up. How do I need to change? And coming near him has affected me. It started to shift me. See? We become inflexible in old wineskin. When you, when you don't have the Holy Spirit moving fresh through you, then you just do the same things, the same, 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 and you get the same results. And we say, we're praying and waiting for God one day to do something. No, no, you change. Uh, this is why you become stagnant. You're no longer seeking God for fresh revelation. You're no longer taking risks. This conference for us is a huge risk. And I, and, and I really honor my son, David, who's been willing to lead the church into it. For a church in a region to come and do a conference in, in, in Auckland and then to actually finance the whole thing to make it happen. That's just, it's a huge risk, you know. It is. No, I honor David and Kate that they were willing to do that. Great people, great leaders, great, great pastors, great people of God. Eh? So we need to be able to, we need to have fresh things. We need to have fresh things. Uh, we're still seeking God. We just finished a three-week water fast, water only. I've never done one of those before. I thought, this is great. This is great. Man, I suffered during that fast. It was a shocker. It was, uh, it was weak all the time. It was just felt awful. But when it was all over, everything I had prayed for started to manifest. I came away saying, oh God, I got my diary out and I wrote out every time of fasting I'm gonna do for the rest of the year. Oh God, I so value what seeking your presence does in my life. I want more. See, Jesus, we all know the scripture, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. But you've got to think through, how did he return in the power of the Spirit? Oh, he got just the Holy Ghost touched him. That's what we'd all love to think it was. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. He prayed 40 days. He fasted 40 days. And what did he do in that time? He meditated in the scriptures he had memorized. And when the devil came, he pushed back on him. Then he returned in power. You want power? You got there's a price to pay for it. There's something you got to do. I want more of God. I want more of God. So the Bible's very clear. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 29 and 30, and then on through to chapter 5. It says, don't grieve the Spirit. And, and, and people all know the Scriptures. But what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, have a look at the context. He said it's how you treat people. We grieve the Spirit 
when we treat people badly. We grieve the spirit when we harbor attitudes of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we badmouth people, when we criticize them, when we run them down, when we find faults. The Bible says don't do these things, it grieves the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we let unclean things come around our life. Looking at this, looking at that, feeling an affection here, an affection there. We get defiled by these things and it grieves the Spirit. What does it mean grieve? It causes them to be saddened and filled with sorrow. And what does that mean? It means then his presence draws back because he's hurt. And he's waiting for you to realize you can't do it anymore without him. So you start to repent and hunger for him. What does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? Quench the Holy Spirit means to be a great big wet blanket and turn the fire out. It means when God, it means to stop the flow. It means to hinder the movement. So you've got many pastors are great people. They don't, they don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but oh my, how they quench him. They don't give room for him to move. They don't give room any place for him to move. And when he moves, they stop him moving. They get worried. Something happens, we're going to shut that down. Clear out the back room. They're more concerned about maintaining an orderly appearance than actually letting God have his way and bring healing and touch people's lives and minister to them. No room is made for the Spirit of God. No room. It's a shocker. And it comes out of, out of fear. It comes out of pride. It comes out of attempts to control. Many churches are like that. I've gone into some and it was so stiff. It comes out of traditions. It comes out of ignorance. It comes out of personal insensitivity. It comes out of dishonor of the Holy Ghost. I can remember I went with uh, Mike. Oh, that was a great journey. I've never forgotten that journey. Then I took, he said, I want to come with you. So we went over to Fiji and we went and we're doing a Bible school. And what I like to do when I train people in deliverance is we need to have a meeting that you can have a go. Have a go. I mean, some people, they really worry about it. Have a go. You've got to do something. Take a risk. Give it a go. So anyway, we got these mighty men, all these great Fijian men. We taught them and prayed for them and ministered them. Here's the night. We're going to one of your churches that you say is open to the Holy Ghost, and we're going to have a revival. We walked in. The moment we walked in, I thought, oh. I could see there was a religious spirit set over the whole place. It, the moment the guys walked in and felt it, they just shut down and sat down, and they're like this. I thought, well, there goes my band of mighty men. This, the, the prayer team has just gone. The only one I've got left is Mike. I said, Mike, it's going to be up to us. We'll give it a go. Well, we did the best we could. I refused to go up on the platform because there was this huge distance between the platform and the people. There were literally physical walls and barriers. I'm going down there where people are. That's where we're supposed to be. I preached my heart out. I tried to have a move of God. You know, I can move clearly and sharply in prophecy. That night, I could barely get out. Jesus loves you. That was about the depth of the prophecy. It was embarrassing. It was, I was ashamed that I could not move in power if we were just shut down completely. We went home that night. Now, listen, when you hit something like that, there is a spirit and it's pushing back. Now, I tell you, it just doesn't leave, it, when you leave the meeting, it doesn't stop there. We came back, Mike and I talked about it, said, man, I feel, mis I feel so rejected right now, I want to get on a plane and leave town, but we've got one more meeting to take. We can't go. They won't let us go until we've done the other meeting. I think I just hate to think of another night of hell. So we got together and we started to pray. And uh, so we prayed against a religious spirit, started to assert authority over it. Went to the Bible school the next day, and I think, well, we need to talk about this. So I said, I don't have an open question session. First hand up, can you tell us about a religious spirit? I said, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. So I began to talk. He said, the, the religious spirit is the main spirit that in the Pacific Islands you're gonna face. 
and it will shut down the power of God. It will shut down the supernatural. It'll shut down evangelism. It'll shut down church planning. It will resist you. It will reject you. It will come against you in various ways, both through people and personally, and you will feel rejected and shut down and lose your boldness and authority unless you contend with it. And anyway, as soon as I did that, suddenly we're on a, on a building on the open side of a hill and it opened windows. Suddenly a wind started up. I thought, man, the wind's got up outside. That's strange, it's a sunny day. I don't know where that. I'm sorry, I'm still preaching away. Next thing the wind's going and it starts swirling. And there's a swirling whirlwind going right around the room. And you can hear it and you can feel it. It was so strong. I had to put my hand on my Bible like this because my pages are flicking all over the place. And this thing's swirling around like that. I said, this is a religious spirit. Boom, it was gone just like that. And then I, and I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. You know, I carried on because still got a session to take. Suddenly we heard some noise outside. And they've got these, these huts on the side of the hill. And I hear, you know when you get a, a strong wind and there's a piece of corrugated iron and it's banging? I could hear bang, 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 bang. Crash. I thought, whoa, something's lost a roof. And, uh, and, and bang, 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 crash. And it's really hard to keep the thing going when you've got all this noise going on outside. Finally, it all stopped and I finished. And they said, we said, let's go out and have a look. We went down. There's a lot of huts. They've all got different purposes. But guess what? The church planting and evangelism hut. The roof had all been ripped off, and everything inside had been swirled like it was inside a washing machine. They said, <gasps> and came back. Oh, we repent for grieving the Holy Spirit and not making room for Him to be welcome. That night, we went back. Oh, ho, ho. now that was a different night. We went in there, the atmosphere had shifted. Man, the pastor's wife was rolling around laughing. He got healed. People got set free. There was a move of the Spirit of God. And we didn't want to go home. It was so good. We went home. Oh, oh. I said to Mike, you got it. Take it into your church. Just go for it Sunday. He had a great move of God. See, religious spirits. Okay, so we need to move on. I wanted to share with you, what do you do when you've lost that flow? What can you do? I won't go into the scriptures. I'll share with you two scriptures. In Revelation chapter three, it says this. You say, I have no need. The reality is you're wretched, blind, and naked. Then he makes a statement. I counsel you. This is the spirit of God. If you have ears to hear, I counsel you buy from me. Notice the word buy. There's a second place that turns up, and that's in Matthew 25 and verse 9, where it says, the foolish virgins, wise virgins had oil, oil the Holy Ghost, the anointing of the Spirit. Foolish virgins had a lack. Their lack become apparent as it came to the end time and the approaching of the bridegroom. That's when the lack become unnoticed. And they said, give us some of what you have. They said, no, go buy for yourself. With the things of the Spirit, you have to pay a price. Everyone wants to have someone just give it to them. We can give to you and we can activate you, but you've got to pay the price to be a carrier of the things of God. How do we do that? What do we need to do? Well, number one, there's need to be repentance. We need to repent where we've grieved the Holy Spirit. We've saddened Him. We need to repent where we have said and done things and treated his family badly. 
where we've misused our leadership or our authority, where people have walked out and we've broken their heart and we've cursed them as they've gone. We need to repent of where we've grieved the Spirit of God. We're personally and privately, we've got issues in our heart that are unclean, of bitterness and anger. We need to repent of those things. You need to let the Holy Ghost have access. We need to repent if we're leaders of quenching the Spirit of God. Perhaps your personal life's clean and great and you've got good order and people think godly man. But where's the miracles? Where's the Spirit of God moving? What are you doing to facilitate God moving? Are you making room in the meeting? We need to repent of that. We need to repent say, God, forgive me. This is what I've done. Secondly, we need to surrender. Oh, surrender is just a challenge. Surrender is something like, oh, I want your will. Father, may your kingdom come. Now I'm going to be an agent for that to do, to do that. Surrender. Surrender is the letting go ego. It's the letting go your fears. It's the letting go your pride. I remember when I started moving in the things of the Spirit. I went to a church and realized there was a controlling thing there. And I started to move in the, the Holy Ghost. Word of knowledge. Nothing. Word of knowledge. Nothing. Word of knowledge. No response again. I got to six of them. And then I was, just, I was just undone. I was just had it. Not one response. And I was just, I, could, I went over and I thought, I've got to just preach. I'd go back and preach. I remember holding on because I, I felt shaky. I, I felt, and I realized afterwards that was a controlled spirit. The end of the meeting, every one of those people come up and said, that was me. I didn't know how to handle it then. I said, you quenched the Spirit of God because God was using the word of knowledge. It wasn't just for you. It was to build faith in the meeting. You were the point that God wanted to come into the meeting. You were the place that God wanted to land on so faith would rise, so others would respond. And instead of responding, you resisted the Holy Spirit and grieved Him and quenched Him. And see, this happened six times. Everyone that came out said that was me. And I realized, well, it's not their problem. There's just a control over the whole church and no one's able to be vulnerable and open about what the issue is. So I learned to deal with that a bit. But what I had to do was I had to surrender. After I went back, man, I had to wrestle with being willing to do it again. And, and it was so frightening for me what I did. I just freaked out. See, see, because what happens, see, we can teach people how to move in the spirit. But at the core of it, there's a surrender issue where you're not worried what people think, you're willing to take a risk. And that's the deciding point whether people move or not. I've taught people all over the world how to move in the spirit, but whether they continue is whether they will surrender worrying what men think and be willing to stretch out and take the risks. That's the defining point. You willing to do that, willing to surrender? I remember, and this is what, I'll just finish with a couple of little things and then we'll get to pray for you. Here we go. I remember being so frightened after that, that before I went into a meeting, I said, I realized how to do it. I said, I, I realized that just practice without pressure. Practice without pressure. So I just wait on God when there's no one around, no one looking, and God will begin to speak to me. I'd write it all down. Oh, a man, this problem, that part of the room, woman, da, da, da. I wrote, I'd go in with about six things, and then just have to move boldly. I had to push out again, because otherwise fear will cause you to draw back. And I began to move out in the spirit again. People started to respond. I thought, man, I need to shorten the list and see if I can get one on my feet. So I did the five this time. And back to preaching. Just shut down because of fear. See, so I tried again. and did six again. And then the next time I tried for five. And I got one on my feet. Oh, this is awesome. 
I, I went down to four. Oh, this is even better. Three. Then the Lord said, I'm not going to give you any. You've got to just move in the spirit in the meeting. I said, oh. When we got to the meeting, he kept telling the worship leader, keep, keep going. Keep going. Just keep going. I'm not ready. I'm going through this fight. I see ideas dropping into my head. I'm struggling with it all. But when I finally stood up and started to flow, then it all started to happen. Then I realized God was not going to give me things mostly before a meeting. He wanted me to learn how to stretch and just trust Him. You've got to learn to surrender. That requires a surrender. Third, third key is hunger. We need to hunger for God. For those, those who hunger, He will fill. And keep hungry for God. Now, don't worry if it didn't go live. You, you've been in a meeting, you saw someone else do something, and you don't get much. Listen, work on the principle of sowing, and then you reap. If you will sow in your relationship with the Spirit of God, you will reap. It's just we, 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 get, we get impatient because we pay a price and don't see the result. But you just got to put... The, the, the sowing and then reaping, sowing then reaping. There's a bit of a delay, and then you start to see things happening in your life. So I just did the season of prayer and fasting, and everything I spoke over my life during that season was manifested and testified to afterwards. So you have to just trust if you will hunger for God and pursue Him. So give yourself to fasting. Give yourself to prayer. Set time aside from busyness to be in the presence of God. Learn how to put worship into your heart and just bow and yield and surrender till sensitivity is developed. And then make room. You just gotta make room. Gotta make room for God. Make room for God. I make room for God as I prepare a message. You can do all your research, but it's just nothing but just research. Say, God, what are you wanting to say? What are you want to emphasize? What are you wanting to put the emphasis on? Then you get in the meeting. Well, God, where are you today? What are you wanting to do? Is there something you want to do before we preach? Is there something to do after we preach? You've got to keep like that. And then when you start to move out and you may be having some words of knowledge, you're prophesying over people, keep thinking, God, what do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? I found when you're moving in the Spirit, you've got to be sensitive to where the flow is going. And so everyone is watching what's happening. I'm thinking and looking for what the next thing will be. I'm looking around the room to see if there's something happening on someone. God, what's that? Oh, I want to move from this over to that. Pe people in the church are often completely unaware of how the Spirit moves. And often, leave, I, I've been, in, we've had a meeting there and it's about one thing, you know, we're, we're doing something to empower people and one thing. And then someone will come up and say, oh, can you give me a prophecy? Can you give me a prophecy, Pastor? And I say, what? What room are you in? God is moving this way, and you're wrapped up in your little world wanting your own need met. This is crazy. This is not, don't you understand how the God is? I said, look around you. We're in the middle of chaos and fire. The Holy Ghost is setting people free, and you want me to stop the anointing flowing to deliver and try and tap into something else just so you can feel a buzz because you got a prophecy? You probably had heaps of prophecy and did nothing about them. And right now, you're not sensitive to what God is doing. Get over and comfort someone and help them. Stop trying to get your own prophecy. Get the compassion of Christ. Get doing something. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet? We need a fresh encounter with the Holy Ghost. I believe there are people today, you need to repent. Where you've grieved the Holy Spirit. Words that hurt people. Words that were negative, critical. Bitterness, anger. Where you've grieved His heart. Where you've hurt Him. You need to repent, leaders, where we've quenched the Holy Ghost. We blocked Him flowing. We stopped Him flowing. We didn't let the worship come up. We were just wanted a program. We were too busy. It's concerned about our program instead of people and God. Oh, 
We need to repent and reach out for a fresh encounter. I'm asking you right now to come out of your seat and say, God, I repent. I have grieved you. I have quenched you. I need a fresh encounter. I'm coming today to surrender my life to you. I want to engage you. Come on. You come now. You come now. This is time for a fresh encounter. This is time to let the Spirit of God come on you. You're a pastor. You're a leader. Don't let your pride keep you in your seat. You need God. You need miracles. You need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. You need to surrender to the Holy Spirit. You need to see God moving in power. Why don't you acknowledge your ministry is lacking. The church is lacking because no room is made for the Spirit. Oh, the wonderful Holy Spirit. Lift your hands. Tell Him you're sorry. Tell Him you repent. Surrender. Surrender your life. Surrender your ministry. Surrender your church. Holy Ghost, come upon me. Holy Ghost, come upon me. Come on, begin to cry out. Begin to cry out. Do you need a miracle in your life? A breakthrough in your ministry? Come to the front. Come to the front. God, I need the power of God. I need the Holy Ghost. I need a healing. I need a financial breakthrough. I need to break through discouragement. Come, Holy Ghost. Come, Holy Ghost. Come on, there's others. That's right. Make your way forward. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Listen to me now. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Even as you're standing here, the Holy Spirit will be showing you. He longs. He's in love with you. He longs to work through you. He longs to minister to people through you. What you're wanting, He longs to give you. Right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to repent of every place we've grieved the Spirit of God, of every place we've quenched Him or resisted Him. Repent of it. Then I want you to cry out for a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. After we've done that, we're going to worship. In the worship, you encounter Him. People will come and lay hands on you. We'll release that touch of God on your life. Take hold of it. Are you ready now? Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready now to meet a fresh encounter, a fresh touch of God? I want you to pray with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I can't hear you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I repent. I repent. Of grieving the Holy Spirit. By my words and actions. Forgive me, Lord. I repent of quenching the Holy Spirit, hindering His movement because of appearances. I repent of that now. Lord, I come to you. I cry out for a fresh encounter, a fresh touch of the Spirit of God, a supernatural encounter that will change my walk, change my ministry. Bring me into a new dimension of the Spirit. I receive today. I receive today. I receive now a fresh touch of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Come on, let's worship the Lord now. Ministry team, lay hands in Jesus' name. I release the power of the Holy Ghost. I break the spirits of bitterness, spirits of oppression, spirits of death. I break the spirits of religion. I break the spirits of fear. I break the spirits of death. Loose in Jesus' name. I release fresh encounters. I release a revelation. I release the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of power. Touch, 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 touch. Fall on people. Just right. Stay worshiping. Stay worshiping. Surrender to him. Let his presence touch you. He is here. God is here. God is touching people. Don't get up quickly. Stay down on the ground. Enjoy his presence. Commune with him. God is here. I release the power of God. I release the power of God. I release the power of God. I release the power of 